Welcome to Phone Messages, Episode 134, Wine Guy. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 17 from James Warden. The message is six seconds long and comes from the fall of 1989. Let's listen. Hey, one guy, it's James. Hey, well, that was a very nice little selection there. What was that, please? At first, one might think that James calling me wine guy is just another example of his cryptic humor. But regular listeners to the podcast might recognize he is clearly responding to my outgoing message from episode 120, which I have declared a masterpiece. That message begins with me twisting my name to Paul Masson, the mass market wine brand from the 1980s. So this explains James labeling me wine guy. James goes on to say, that was a very nice little selection there. What was that? He is referring to the background music for my message which comes from a 1951 recording of Lotta Lehmann performing Robert Schumann's Dichterliebe. I have a very distinct memory of buying that Lotta Lehmann album, along with several other collections of German leader by Lehmann, Dietrich Fischer-Diskau, and Elisabeth Schwarzkopf, in mint condition for maybe 50 cents apiece. I bought them at an obscure building on the corner of 61st and Blackstone, just south of the Midway. The building housed a pioneering organization in the field of recycling called the Resource Center. Its founder, Ken Dunn, grew up in rural Kansas, where reusing and repairing was the norm. So, in 1965, when he began a graduate program in philosophy at the University of Chicago, he was struck by the wastefulness of the city and saw it contributing to social inequity. Dunn began a small business collecting newspapers and cardboard that expanded to provide curbside recycling for Hyde Park and other Chicago neighborhoods. But beyond the standard goal of collecting cans and bottles, Dunn hoped to create a place where all types of so-called junk, from broken bicycles to building materials, could be repaired and repurposed for the community's benefit. In 1975, he purchased the building at 61st and Blackstone, which became the center of this resource sharing. When I visited the site in the late 1980s, it resembled an abandoned warehouse containing piles of random objects ranging from housewares to books. It was amid this mess that I found my vinyl treasures. Unfortunately, the ideal of transforming discarded items into a community resource had its limits. Unlike the typical thrift store, which earns money by reselling donated goods, the Resource Center's goal was to simply redistribute items to people who needed them, at little or no cost. 
The marginal income earned from the recycling operation just could not sustain the costs of the warehouse. So in 1996, Dunn sold the building to Connie Spring, a literature grad student, and Dan Peterman, an artist and resource center employee. Spring and Peterman shared Dunn's vision of providing a community resource, but developed a model that could pay for the maintenance of the deteriorating structure. The first successful enterprise under this new model was Blackstone Bicycle Works, which trained local youth in bicycle maintenance and sold refurbished bikes to the neighborhood at low cost. Other early tenants included a custom furniture maker, a grassroots jobs program, and The Baffler, a literary journal discussed back in episode 95. In April of 2001, an electrical fire consumed the building, destroying years of work by Peterman, the furniture maker, and Baffler magazine. Fortunately, the foundations of the brick structure were solid, so Peterman and Spreen were able to rebuild, this time as a nonprofit organization called the Experimental Station. The name comes from a 1901 speech by Frank Lloyd Wright, where he described a single location that would foster interaction between artists, designers, and manufacturers. After the building was restored, the organization thrived, hosting a variety of small businesses and community groups. In 2008, they established the 61st Street Farmer's Market, providing a vital source of fresh produce to a neighborhood historically short on high-quality grocery stores. It would be nice to conclude with this rosy picture of rebirth, but a different kind of crisis emerged in the spring of this year when employees at the experimental station demanded union recognition after they felt management had failed to address problems in the workplace environment. The unionization effort received widespread support by community leaders and other tenants of the building. And according to the union website, the Experimental Station Board of Directors has begun talks with the union. Hopefully by the time I post this podcast, the union will have been recognized. You can find a link to the union's website, along with relevant links for all of my podcast episodes, at my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.